Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is doing the work, conversations. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, as we tape, we are still in the middle of a pandemic, and mm-hmm. there are still some wonderfully massive protests going on for Black Lives Matter. Yes. So in that context, we are also still learning and doing what we can to increase mm-hmm. our own education about the entire subject. And in the middle of doing that, I'm also finding myself helping to educate some of my family members. And I'm sure you have a similar experience. Absolutely. I'm finding lots of folks to talk to about this. And I do want to say, as we get into this topic of conversation, that we're aware that we are two white women of privilege who are talking about how we are engaging our privilege in having the requested conversations with people that we know. Yep. For folks out there who are more advanced or farther along in the journey of being an ally to our Black community, this may not be a podcast topic today that you necessarily need. No, but if you have any information that you would like to pass on to help us along, you are more than welcome to come find us on Facebook or send us an email at podcast at centralportland.org. Absolutely. And for those of us who are finding our way through and trying very hard to do the work and to step in and to educate ourselves and then to share that information with other people, our idea for today was to offer what little tiny bits of experience that we have to give some ideas and to give some options about how to have these conversations with our family and friends and people that we love who may not yet understand the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay, given all that, are we talking about people who are coming to you and initiating a conversation, or is this in a situation where you're talking with somebody and they bring it up? Mm, That's a good question. I think that the folks that I have been able to have this conversation with in the last couple weeks have been individuals that I already have long-term, long-standing relationships with. They're people that I've either built trust with or have a long-term, some kind of connection. And one person has come to me and a couple of folks, I've been approaching them on Facebook or by like text message, personal message. Okay. When I've seen something that they've posted. That's bold. I would happily discuss with people when I call because I tend to call to check in because of the Uh pandemic. Yep. But I am very leery of any sort of social media because it tends to go south rather quickly. It totally can. It can go south so fast. And it can go south even if you aren't the one flaming it, right? Someone else, some third party can come in and set a firework off. (laughs) And the next thing you know, lots of emotions are there. I think that what I have found... In the conversations that I've had, and I've had several of them, and and I want to say I'm not sharing this in order to get like ally cookies. For folks who don't know that term, that's when allies of any marginalized group are like, look, I did a thing. I did a basic thing that you've asked me to do, like admit that to your humanity or some other kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. they're like, please pat me on the back and give me a cookie for being so awesome. 
I'm not looking for ally cookies here. What I'm looking for is an opportunity to say to folks like me who are trying to do this work, it can be done and you won't die if you do it, <laughs> right? It's going to be okay. Yeah. You can take the risk Yeah, and it's worth it. It's easier to do with somebody whom you have a good relationship with, which is why the phone conversations seem to be easier for me. Nice. It's harder to do when you've got the unknown of social media and tone is harder to gauge. In that instance, I find myself trying to lift up the people's voices who are more engaged and who seemed to know more what they're talking about just to let them know somebody else is believing them as well. Yeah. And I have found the phrase that's working for me for the individuals that I am talking with who oftentimes are either brand new to this conversation or are finding themselves feeling like they don't understand the slogans or the calls on the streets right now. And I have found that using the terms or saying the phrase, I really hope you'll stay curious with me about this. If you're not understanding why it is that people are this angry or why it is that people are using violence or why it is that the protesting is on night 16 or 17, I hope you'll stay curious with me as to why this is. Because people don't do this kind of thing unless there's a real reason long term. Like this doesn't come from nowhere. Mm -hmm. So there must be something there to learn. Now, I know there's a whole lot there to learn. <laughs> right? There's oh, yes. a ton there to learn. And there's absolutely justifiable reasons for all of these reactions. And for my loved ones and my extended reach of folks who haven't or who don't have the understanding of what inherent systemic racism has done to our country, the opportunity to say, I hope you'll be curious with me is an invitation in rather than a shutting down. Now, if that person were being cruel or dangerous or actively harmful, mm -hmm. that's different, right? I wouldn't say you're being actively harmful and telling people that they deserve the fate that they have. And so I'm not going to say, hey, will you be curious with me? No, no, that tone is not going to do anything. No, but for someone who's like, I'm not racist and I haven't experienced that in my lifetime and I don't understand why the church is taking this stance on this and why would this be a part of our worship services for so many weeks in a row, right? Then I can lean in and say, I hear that this is confusing for you. Stay curious with me. Come and listen more with me. There's so much to learn. And that is opening doors into conversations that I'm finding is keeping people engaged in the conversation. So do you find yourself either trying to explain things or giving them resources or just simply having conversations about what it means to have either white privilege or what systemic racism is? It has depended on the individual and where they're coming from and what they're about. Okay. One person that I've reached out to and had the conversation with, they have a a more conservative theological background than I do. Okay. But they've known me since I was in like seventh grade. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. And I know that their heart is full of love for Jesus. I know that. There's no doubt in my mind. So I know that they have a compassionate, loving space that they're coming from. And I also know that they're coming from a place where they will not have had exposure to 
much outside of the worldview of their own. Sure. So I'm not going to hit them with something that is so far out of reach or unknown to them that they aren't going to be able to access it because it's so foreign that they can't even hear it, Mm -hmm. which is sad to say, right? There are amazing videos out there right now by black teachers that are just mind blowing and brilliant. And sometimes we start, if someone seems to be in the movable middle, right? If we talk about the movable middle, we have people entrenched on each side and then we have the movable middle. Yep. And if someone is in the movable middle, I try to meet them where they are. And so Phil Vischer, who is a white man who created Veggie Tales and was the voice of Bob the Tomato, has done a 12-minute video covering 100 years of systemic racism. Okay. In the United States. He covers everything from the GI Bill to redlining to the implementation of militarization of the police force. Like he covers it all in 12 minutes and it's accessible for that movable middle white person as a starting point. Sure. And so I've used it. I've sent it and said, you know, I understand that things are confusing. Here's something that I found really helpful to help me understand why people are talking about systemic racism in a way that I didn't understand before and letting that be an intro into the conversation. And that after that, to be able to say, I know that you love Jesus and Jesus always stood on the side of people who were oppressed, whether it be the lepers or whether it be right. The woman at the well, Jesus always crossed the line and loved people who, within the time in which he lived, were facing oppression and stigmatization and murder, right? He stood with the woman accused of adultery, and he stopped her murder. And we are in a time, we have always been in a time in our country, where we are being called to stand with those who are being murdered and who are being killed, and who are actively being oppressed and stigmatized. And so that's where we go with Black Lives Matter. This is the kind of action, this is the kind of thing that Jesus would have done out of love for those Black lives. I'm finding with a lot of people that I'm having these conversations with that as much as I would love to get to the point where I can send them media, the real starting place is having them acknowledge what white privilege actually is. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really hard to help them understand that, especially given some of the media that they're actually consuming. Yeah. And it's really causing me, in a very good way, I think, to stretch out and to learn more and to educate myself just so I can try to help pass that on the line. Absolutely. And the call to be self-educating is huge. And the challenge is to push ourselves past comfort. Oh, it's overwhelming. Mostly I find it overwhelming. Every now and again, I will catch something on social media that is a cell phone video. And it's, it's always amazing to me. And I really wish it wasn't that that is the norm for so many people. And mm-hmm. it's so sad. And I don't know how to change it. But I think even having that as a starting point is far better than where I was two years ago. Right. And we change it by having the hard conversations with our fellow white family members, friends, church members, 
right? That is our responsibility is to have these conversations with people to say, this is what's pulling at my heart right now. And this is what I've learned. I've learned how it is that redlining impacted. I had no idea the GI Bill impacted the wealth inequality of our country so substantially. I feel shame around my lack of knowledge. And that's mine to process, right? And shame doesn't get anybody anywhere. So it's just about educating past our comfort level and keep pushing, keep pushing through that. And then talk with the people who give you that opening. Yeah. And if you see something, say something. White silence is a huge part of the complicity and the perpetuation of the violence against Black people in our communities. And so it may seem like a simple thing to just say to someone, well, no, I don't agree with what you're saying right now. But it's everything right now to get that started and to model lifting up Black voices and to model lifting up the work that we are doing. And again, not in order to get the ally cookies, but because we need to know this work is hard, this work is real, this work is important. Well, and I think the hardest part of the conversations I tend to have with people close to me is that some of them are in the law enforcement profession. Mm -hmm. And to have a conversation with them that you can each pull back so it's not personally attacking each other is so incredibly hard. And honestly, I'm kind of at a stopping point. I don't know where to go forward because I don't want to stay silent and yet I don't want to upset them. Yeah, So I'm stuck. It's a totally real thing. And I have friends who, not just friends, there's a whole lot of challenge with the conversation around the militarization of our police forces that has happened in the last several decades. And where my heart is leaning on this is I know that it does no one any good, right? It is not healthy or good for a soul to live in constant fear of being killed. And I say that for our black community And I say that for the training that I hear happening for our police officers in this country. Sure. Well, and I'm going to take it a step further. It's also for the kids in the schools who are now having active shooter drills. Absolutely. Right. This constant fear of somebody is going to kill you, which is permeating our culture, creates an entire illness that we see the impacts of. We see it in the early deaths of the Black community. We see it in early deaths and illness within law enforcement. We see it in increasing numbers of depression and self-harm among our children. All of this kind of someone is out to kill you, consistent fear that is for many people verified by what they see in the news and online and telling one another, right? It's very real It's not the world that God intends. This is not good. This is not tov, right? God creates everything and calls it good in creation. This is not good. This is broken. And this is harmful. And this harms everyone. And it's a system that has been built from the ground up that harms everyone. And until the system breaks... 
and can be remade, it will continue to harm everyone. And that's more and more where my heart is going. My heart keeps getting pulled to this is not redeemable. This system is not redeemable in this way. The only reason why our children have not been afraid to go to school in the last three months is no because they're not in school, right? Yep. This was the first March in years with no school shooting because the kids weren't in school. That's evil. That's a terrible statistic. And the number of black deaths that are occurring is evil. It is. And the shifts and the expectations on our militarized police force is evil and it's inhumane and it creates the kind of mentality that is unhelpful and ungodly in my opinion. And so the system needs to change. The system needs to be replaced with something new, needs to inherently shift. And I say that for the good of all. And folks can hear me say that police officers are bad. Well, what police officers are being expected to do in our city right now is bad. Yeah. It's not good. The most heartbreaking video I have seen is there was a police woman who was stopping to just greet a little young black girl. And the girl immediately put her arms up in fear. And it was the most heart. You can even see the officer go, wait, whoa, no, I just wanted to shake your hand. But that is not the training that the little girl had been given because of the world she lives in. And it was heartbreaking. And it's accurate representation of the training that that little girl needs. Oh, absolutely. And that is where the inherent brokenness of the system causes many of us to say that it has to be overhauled completely, that to try and find a moment of redemption in this, I I cannot imagine it. Reform is not going to do enough. You kind of have to start over. The system is working exactly as it was created to work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? It was just created in such a way that it has become what it is. And so these are the kinds of conversations we find our way into. And as people with privilege, as people who are being asked and called to use the skills that we have and to use our learning and our education and our language and to use our capital in the trust that we have earned with family and friends and loved ones, We need to be having these conversations together. And so, again, start with people where they are. Remind them that you love them as a person. Mm -hmm. You may not love their profession. You may not love their belief, but you can love them as a person. And talk wherever they are at about the things that you are learning and invite them to remain curious with you. Because in that curiosity, people can continue to learn and can continue to see. But when we have hard hearts, this goes back to the podcast four years ago, practically now, exactly talking with people with hard hearts and how do we keep ourselves soft enough that we can have that hard conversation with the people that we love and care about. If we can continue to do that, we can continue to shift the narrative and God willing, the system can find its way towards the kind of world that God dreams of for us. Excellent. That's going to lead me to my last question. 
Is there anything that you would caution people to not do in these conversations? No. Okay. And I say that because I think even the inflammatory statements that get said and when people speak out and are harsh and are what people would call mean, I'm putting air quotes around that, that is still honest. And that is still where some people are. It may not be helpful to call somebody names. It may not be helpful to say you're being stupid, right? But I'm not going to say don't do it because in our grief right now, and the stakes are so high that what matters right now is that you're engaging the conversation. And that's the most important thing. It would be great if we could do it in ways that you know are yeah. kind, but to be kind is to be honest. And if being honest is to say to someone, you are being racist in this moment, then that is kind and that is important work. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about doing the work and having conversations. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And again, folks, there are hundreds of gifted, thousands of gifted people of color to listen to around this topic. If this was your first introduction to this kind of conversation, please take the next step. Please stay curious and go look for some brilliant people of color to learn from, particularly Black authors right now. You can find some links to that on our webpage at centralportland.org slash the church basement, where our podcast is hosted. And we took a week off and listed a whole bunch of resources for you. And there are tons of resources online right now. Don't be afraid to look up Black Lives Matter literature. It can be a place to start. Look at the New York Times bestseller list right now. Pick one of those books written by a Black author and learn. It's important and good work. Absolutely. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>